It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And good afternoon, everybody. Jason Vandeveer here on Calvary Live. So good to be with you this afternoon. Appreciate all of you tuning in on Grace FM, listening in Colorado and Wyoming. And for all of you listening on Hope FM in Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania as well, welcome to you. If you want to join me uh, on the program here, I'd love to have you do so. You just heard the number there. Let me give it to you one more time in case you're not familiar with it. It's 303-690-3000. 3,000, that's the, the number, and uh, no matter where you are, you can call that number, and uh, we'll get you through and get you on the program here. If you prefer to text, uh, you can do so at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I prefer you give me a call, uh, but uh, I, I understand uh, a lot of folks are a little bit hesitant to do that. And uh, but I can assure you, it'll be a, a, a pleasant conversation, and uh, everybody will enjoy actually hearing your question live rather than me just read it via text. But if you're not able to do that, you're welcome to text us. And uh, again, that number seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Do me a favor, just uh, give me a brief kind of one sentence uh, text so that I can read it and process it uh, and and answer it all at the same time uh, on the air. Makes it a little bit easier uh, when we're doing that live. So if you can keep that clear and succinct in the text. We'll do our best to answer those. Uh, But again, give me a call, 303-690-3000. I'm Jason Vandiver. I'm the pastor, Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. And if you're uh, looking for more information uh, about our fellowship, about myself, you can go to calvarychapelparker.com. That's calvarychapelparker.com. If you're going to be in the Parker, Colorado area, I'd love to have you join me. Next opportunity, uh, join us. Next opportunity to do that will be this Sunday. And you can get service times uh, at our uh, uh, web address, uh, website, calvarychapelparker.com. You can also join us midweek for service on Wednesday evenings, prayer on Tuesday evenings, and a bunch of other things uh, going on throughout the week that you can take advantage of. And again, you can get all that information on our website, calvarychapelparker.com. We're going to be continuing in Genesis chapter 21 uh, this Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. It's it's a really interesting uh, kind of uh, passage, and a lot of times we've seen... Bible passages, there's these pictures and and metaphors, and there's two very interesting wells, prominent wells, the well of Hagar uh, and the well of Abraham in chapter 21 there that appear together, and and they're reminders of the well of God's grace. There's a great metaphor there. There's a great uh, uh, contrast in that passage between uh, the law and grace. We see that in Galatians uh, between Hagar and uh, Ishmael, the, the child of the the bondservant Isaac, the child of the free woman Sarah. And so uh, we'll be getting into that, the law and grace, uh, the well of God's grace, these two wells in Genesis chapter 21. So you don't want to miss it this Sunday at Calvary Chapel, Parker. And uh, if you missed last Wednesday, you can uh, catch the message. My son Jesse actually teaching that message on Wednesday night from Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, A Mind to Work is the title of that message. You can get them all on our website, calvarychapelparker.com. We've got uh, studies through the entire Bible for you to watch uh, or listen to for free. Just pick your book, chapter, verse, go through the Word of God with us. But uh, give us a call here, 303-690-3000, and let's go to Gwen uh, in Denver. Uh, Welcome to the program. 
Hey, Quinn, how you doing? Can you hear me? I don't know if we have uh, if we have Gwen there. Uh, give it just a second. Anyway, oh, there's there she is. How you doing? Welcome to the program. Oh, hi there. Yes, um, I'm wanting to know because I don't know very much about these two groups of people. If Amish people and Quakers have salvation in eternal life. Yeah, I I think. Um, when we get to those those groups, it, it comes down to you know what they actually believe, and I think when you go back to the original beliefs of the Quakers, um, the Amish I'm not as familiar with, but when you go back to the original uh, views of the Quakers, um, there, you know, while they have uh, some distinct. Uh, stylistic views, and, and a lot of those stylistic views are just the fact that they haven't changed culturally uh, since they came from their original countries over to the New World, um, but their original doctrinal beliefs are, are not much different than ours uh, when it comes to the essentials. Um, but, you know, there's these shows on now, you know, Breaking Amish and all sorts of other I, things, and, and I think what you see in a lot of those shows, um, I don't watch those, but I can gather a lot from the commercials is is that there are a lot of people for them it's it's a culture it's a lifestyle that they're raised in and they don't necessarily have faith so so the short answer to the question is 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 a lot of times and and I believe with both of those groups they they hold uh, pretty typical uh, biblical beliefs as to salvation, uh, whether or not most of those in the community are actually practicing or believing that uh, may be another matter. Okay, so just to make sure I understand, um, I'm not really talking about the secular ones, I'm talking about the ones who, Mm -hmm. you know, hold to their belief system. Yep. Uh, So those people you feel do have salvation in eternal life it's by work not by works but by faith alone yeah, exactly. by God's grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ Exactly. And so, um, like I said, the Amish I'm not as familiar with. I think more so the Quakers, uh, that is a true statement. The, the Amish, I, 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 but I suspect just on my limited uh, exposure to, to here and there uh, certain aspects of Amish doctrine, uh, that they hold pretty similar as well. So in other words, you know, when it comes to essentials, obviously there are a lot of other things, but when it comes to essentials uh, of the Christian faith and salvation by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, um, that 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 is their basis of salvation. Um, Now, you know, whether or not they're introduced in in practicality, you know, whether or not they're introducing, um, you know, uh, like you find in a lot of denominations, a more works-based system, well, that certainly is a a danger, particularly when you see such distinct manners uh, of living. And so that I'm not familiar enough to know whether or not they uh-huh. say they say one thing, but whether or not practically they're living according yeah. to that. Of course, there's a lot of offshoots. You know, there's Mennonite and others that are that are kind of offshoots of the Amish as well. And I have met more of those folks, uh, and they tend to to hold to similar similar doctor, doctrinal positions. They just tend to adopt a, a slightly more uh, modern uh, lifestyle. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have uh, family members that you're asking about, or is there some sort of interaction that you've had? Um, mm, there is a um, 
there's a ministry that was founded by someone who is a Quaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm just wondering, and as I talk to people, I'm a real friendly person, I talk to everybody. Right. I can run into different people, and I want to be aware of who I need to pray for. <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to be ignorant of this. And, I mean, just like with us, there are people calling themselves Christian, that doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Um, and there's certainly secular I would say Christians, let alone carnal Christians, and mm-hmm. you know, just a whole array, and I'm sure that's true for every other group of people. So anyway, I'm just I trying th- to sort this out. So yeah, thank I th- you. I think that, uh, you know, the thing that you—so, you know, obviously the Quakers um, go back a long way. Like, I, I mentioned them coming over, and we think of, you know— Pennsylvania, Quakers, and Amish, and so forth. Uh, but I mean, this goes back to like the 1600s in, right. in England and Puritanism and all of that yeah. in, in, in the New World. And so, you know, I think that those are, if you were going to look for something, it, you know, the, the thing that you would want to watch out for in, the, in these groups, um, you know, would be uh, things like, you know, a, 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 a modern version of Phariseeism or, or a, a proclivity yeah. toward, um, toward works. Um, and you may not necessarily see it on paper, um, but you, you could learn a lot from talking to somebody. But, but certainly at the roots, you know, the, the roots of Quakerism, I mean, you have uh, men like George Fox and, and William Penn. And so, you know, I mean, these are, these are strong individuals that if you go back and, yeah. and, and read their writings. So it's, it's just a question, and, and I suspect uh, that you probably have some variations within it. Uh, I think now the uh, Quakers actually use, um, uh, they're called the Religious Society of Friends, uh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, right. exactly. So, so you'll you'll see that term too. That's that's another uh, way of referencing Quakerism. So, okay. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, so Appreciate let me know. It. Give us give us a call back. I'd love to hear as you kind of uh, have more exposure to this. You know what you're finding. Um, I think that uh, the best thing is just to ask basic questions, just like you you did to me. You know what is the ba- what, what what do you believe is the nature of God? Who is God? Um, yeah, particularly yeah. as it relates to the Trinity. What is the basis? Huh? You know what what is sin to you, and what is the basis of salvation? You know those three qu- questions are going to really answer a lot for you if someone's honest with you. Yeah, I'll repeat those three questions for me again. Yeah, I, I think that, that basically it starts with the nature of God. You know, who is God? Is God, as, okay. as, yeah, as, as the Word of God teaches us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct, uh, uh, three, one God in three distinct persons. Uh, mm-hmm. And what is, you know, do you believe in sin? I think that that's a, a very important question today. You know, oh, do, you, yeah. do you believe in sin? You know, what, what is the... Um, the cause of sin, what is the, the, the remedy for sin, um, and, and what is then leading into the final question, what is the basis of salvation? You know, how are you saved? Um, right. you know, so so okay. who is God and, and, and how is a person saved? That's going to tell you a lot. Um, exactly. And, Very and, good. And, yeah. and sometimes you've got to probe deep. You know, in other words, like sometimes somebody will say, I, I, for example, if you, if you talk to a Catholic, a Catholic's going to tell you that they're saved by grace through faith. But but that means something entirely different to a person who's Catholic than it means to to you or I or most of the people yeah. listening right now. Um, so so you've got to sometimes well what what does grace actually mean? How, you know how does it apply? You know and and get into it. where how do works fit into the picture? And you uh-huh. know as you begin to ask some of those questions, you're going to learn a lot. 
Yes, defined terms. Very good. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. You betcha. Appreciate you calling, okay. Gwen. Take care. God bless. Bye. Jason Vanderveer here on Calvary Live. If you want to join me, let's go to Sue in Aurora, Colorado. Sue, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How you doing? I'm glad to learn it's not a boy named Sue. No, it's a girl named Sue. I know. I hear that a lot. Yeah, no worries. It's all good, though. Um, My question was, um, so I hear a lot of the time, um, seeking an intimate relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, what does that look like? Like the intimate relationship part, and how do I get that? Yeah. So uh, let's first the first part of your question. How, how you get to that? I think uh, a lot of that'll become clearer when we talk about first of all what it isn't. I I, I think that that naturally. Um, you know, we're inclined to a non-intimate relationship with the Lord. In other words, you know, if just left to our own devices, if we if we don't put put much thought or energy into it, um, we may believe. Uh, in other words, we we acknowledge with our minds and even in our hearts that that uh, that we're sinners. That God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for us. Uh, mm-hmm. That He raised Him from the dead. We we may believe all of those things, but not really have an intimate relationship uh, with Jesus or 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 uh, with God through Jesus Christ. And and I think that that's a great tragedy. And I, and 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 I think that there are some, if not many who that's the reality uh, of their their Christian life in other words they they believe but there's there there's really there, there's no passion there there's no zeal in other words they, they could go they, they could go without fellowship for a long period of time they could go without prayer for a long period of time they have no real interest in in God or his word they have no real interest in the the things of God or in the lost or in, in serving the Lord they they just have this kind of basic understanding of God I I, I think that that's what an intimate relationship isn't so by contrasting mm-hmm. that, you can get a sense of, of what an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is. It, it's not uh, a set of rules. It's it's not, well, I go to church, you know, three times a week or five times a week. It's not, I have this ministry. It's not, I tithe this much. In fact, I think that if you make an intimate relationship about a, a list of requirements, um, you'll find yourself further from an intimate relationship uh, with God. If you think about, are, are you married? Okay, so if you think about people, maybe your parents or people that you know uh, that are married, and 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 you maybe kind of start to process, you know, what is their relationship like? What is their intimacy like? Well, when you stop and think about it, those that have a really good relationship, they, they it's not based on you know requirements. It's not based mm-hmm. on a set of have tos. In fact, it, it's something that they probably see. Uh, feel is quite effortless. In other words, they love that other person, and so as a result, they look for every opportunity to to be with them, and to to spend time with them, and to to bless them, and to please them. That's really what we're talking about when we talk about an intimate relationship with the Lord. And so it, it's being so in love with Jesus Christ, being so in, ha- having such a passion and a zeal for God that you want to spend as much time with him as you can. You want to get to know him. You 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 don't 
You don't feel like you can get close enough uh, to him. You don't feel like you can serve him enough because you just want to serve him more and more. You, you just want to be a blessing uh, to God. And, 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 and that's, that's kind of some of the ways that I'd classify it. So to answer the latter part of your question, so how does one get such a relationship? Well, I, I think that the first thing is, is just to ask. And, and to just go and, and before the Lord, and, and if you feel like, you know, and I think that if we're honest, most of us have times where we feel like we don't have that kind of relationship, where we mm-hmm. feel like, where, or we feel like, well, I, I have a little bit of that right now, but I'm dry. Um, you know, I, I, there's an old song by Keith Green. Uh, he, he would sing, my, my eyes are dry. My, my faith is cold. Uh, you know, uh, my prayers are, I, I forget how it goes, you know, and, and, and basically he, he was describing that, that place that we, we get into, um, where we don't have that intimacy with the Lord. And so I think that, that initially, and then from time to time in your life, you just need to go to the Lord, first of all, and ask him for it. But then I think that there's things that we can actively do to pursue mm-hmm. a closer relationship with the Lord. I, I think that just taking time out and, and saying, Lord, you know, I just want to take some time out today and I just want to pray and I want to seek you. And I'm, I, I, I want to go where you're working. I want to be in fellowship uh, where you're working in your church and, and I want to serve you and, and, and I want to get into your word. And, and so as you, you begin to do these things, um, the Bible says, draw near to God uh, and he'll draw near to you. And so uh, sometimes, you know, that's, uh, you know that, that, that takes a little bit of uh, intent uh, at first, by the way, that was that was James chapter four, verse eight. Uh, but uh, sometimes mm-hmm. there, it, it takes some intention and some some intent at first. You may have to draw near to God or or do things to draw near to God, even when you don't feel like it or even when you're when you're struggling. But as you do, you're going to find that that God meets you in that place and and mm-hmm. and He begins to work. So so what I would say is pray and ask the Lord to do that in your life. Then begin just just. Just spending time with the Lord in prayer, spending time uh, with Him in His Word, spending time in fellowship with other believers, spending time uh, serving the Lord and using the gifts that He's given you, or 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 seeing how uh, He might want to use you in in new ways. And what you're going to find is, at, at some point, you're going to get to the place you're going to be like, "Wow, I'm where I wanted to be. I wasn't there yeah. before, but I I can see I'm in a different place now." Mm-hmm. Does that make Wonderful. sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it's so interesting because I read that Bible verse, the James four eight today when I was scrolling through Instagram, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. You know, that's how the word Lord works. He works on both ends. You know, and, and in other words, he's he's working in your heart, and you know, he's working in this conversation now, and. Uh, you know that that that's an interesting verse. If you look at the rest of that verse, it's interesting too. And it it talks about cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. And and I think that that's another thing too that that's important because um, a th- what can keep us from God is 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 uh, sin and an impure heart. So mm-hmm. so if you if you have that desire, but yet you're 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 living with compromise or sin in your life. Mm-hmm. Well then, mm-hmm. then, then you can pray all you want, but but you've got things that you got a wall built in mm-hmm. the way. You, you know what I mean? So sometimes there's things in our lives too that we've got to deal with, and and oh. if 
and 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 sometimes it's just a matter of seeking and sometimes there's things there that we've got to got to deal with and and then once we get those out of the way there's a clear path to god okay wonderful thank okay. you so much you bet appreciate it sue god bless you god bless you bye you bet jason vanderveer here calvary live 303-690-3000 let's go to uh lee sack in, in fort lupton uh welcome to the program hi hi uh yeah so uh, thank you for having me. But uh, I, I had a, I had a quick question. So uh, I I got saved not long ago, um, and mm-hmm. I just now started, you know, getting more into the word and stuff like that. And uh, I've noticed. I mean, I I, I come from a Catholic family, <laughs> so right. it's been very uh, yeah yeah. It's you know it's completely different. Um, so I, I I noticed that in the word uh, when I hear people talk about it and everything, I don't hear. Uh, the Virgin Mary, like I don't hear anything about Mary at all, and and mm-hmm. and our, our household, I mean, it's always been like, you know, again Spanish, La Virgen Maria, like you know, we pray <laughs> for, her, you know, we pray to her and stuff like that. So it's been right. a very like <laughs> like a difficult change <laughs> to kind of like adjust away from that. But I, I was just wondering, like, why? Do you, do you have any any? Uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, anything on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so so let's talk. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where you've come from and and where you've arrived at, right? So and and the differences between those two, um, I think, um, will clarify a little bit for you. Hopefully, a lot. Uh, the answer to your question. So obviously, the background that you come from within Catholicism, um, you know, Mary has a, a an elevated position. Um, Mary is is considered co-redemptress. Uh, within Catholicism, uh, and she's obviously prayed to. Uh, if you go into any Catholic church, uh, y- 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 it won't be hard to find uh, the statue uh, of Mary. If you go to uh, certain masses, obviously you'll see the veneration uh, of of Mary uh, in in those masses. And so, you know, it's 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 a it's a fundamental, it's an integral part uh, of Catholicism. The question is, is is it biblical and and the answer to that question is that it is not uh, biblical um, in other words the 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 veneration and I I would say that that veneration is really the nice word um, the 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 real word is worship and the worship of Mary is 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 not uh, scriptural and we see actually Jesus's attitude toward um, Mary and 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 also toward his 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 uh, earthly brothers, uh, his half brothers, and and you know you get a sense for the what our attitude is to be toward them and and toward uh, what the Catholic Church would call saints. Uh, by the way, we're all it says in Scripture that that we're all saints. Uh, that saint isn't a special classification of persons um, that is recognized by the Catholic Church because of various deeds and so forth, and then is canonized. Um, that that a saint just means one who is set apart, and so we see that all believers are actually saints. But but uh, I like in Matthew chapter twelve, and and you'll find this in in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in in Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty six, uh, Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, and and his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him, and. One said to him, Look, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? 
And he stretched out his hands toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So we see that while Jesus loved his mother very much on the cross, he told John, um, you know, behold your mother. He commended his mother uh, to, you know, his earthly mother uh, to the apostle John. But Jesus gave no uh, special spiritual status uh, or priority uh, or anything like that uh, to his mother or to his uh, brothers or to to any other person, and so uh, Mary is 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 not a mediator uh, that that we should go to. She's not a see within Catholicism. You, I'm sure you understand this really well. You, you you're taught that the way to Jesus is through his mother. You're taught that yep. you know. You're, you're taught that well. You know. Uh, what better way to get to a person than than through their mother? That's that's Catholic understanding. But the Bible yep. says in in First Timothy chapter five that there is one uh, God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So in other words, we go directly to the Father through Jesus, and and we don't need a mediator. We don't need a priest. We don't need a a so-called saint. We don't need uh, the the mother of Jesus. And so um, that's why there's a difference now that you're finding within uh, Christianity uh, as opposed to Catholicism. You're finding a difference because um, the Bible doesn't teach us that. In fact, the Bible teaches us exactly the opposite uh, of worshiping human people. Now, Having said that, uh, I would say that that if you look in Scripture, um, uh, undoubtedly, when you when you when you look there, you see that that Mary was a very special person, and right. and and she she was blessed by God with a great privilege and a great responsibility, but it doesn't follow that we then worship her. She was still just a human being, just like us, with a sin nature. Uh, she she wasn't a perpetual virgin, by the way. Um, uh, as as the Catholic Church teaches, oftentimes uh, she had other children, and and so you know th- there's a lot more to it. So that that's why you're seeing uh, this difference uh, within Christianity. And my encouragement to you is 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 to be like you are now, um, like we see in Acts chapter 17 verse 11, because it it says that the Bereans were wise, uh, they were more noble because they searched the Scriptures to see if the things that the Apostle Paul told them were true. And so as you're you're studying the Word of God, now your your privilege and your responsibility is to go to the Word of God and to find your confirmation uh, of what you're learning in the Word of God rather than just what somebody has told you. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's a, That was a, always a big point in the past couple months. It's, it's always been like I've been reading and trying to find them. Everybody I've talked to, I just I was waiting for them to bring up Mary and they never did so I was like okay <laughs> I got to I got I got to ask <laughs> so yeah yeah and you know and if I you want yeah, and if, if you want to learn about uh, Mary certainly there is a lot we can learn a lot from the life of Mary but we learn from her we don't we don't use her as some sort of mediator or object of worship All right awesome well thank you so much I appreciate your your uh inf- just everything <laughs> Thank you so much I appreciate you brother God bless you have a great day right. God bless you you too thanks Hey, folks, uh, if you want to join me on the program here, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Caesar here, and we can at least get part of his question before we got to go into the break. Caesar, welcome to the program. Hi. How you doing? Good. I have a, my question is this. When John the Baptist um, was going to baptize Jesus, 
and he mm-hmm. says, you should baptize me. And he, and Jesus says, we should do this to fulfill all righteousness sake. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then in Exodus, when he talked about Moses, when God went to Moses and he said, told Moses to baptize Aaron and his sons for the priestlyhood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got the, the high priest of Melchizedek, Mm-hmm. Right? So, would it be right to, when he says, all oh, righteousness sake, mm-hmm. and he says he is our high priest, Yep. and God went to John and told John to go baptize. Yeah, do me a favor. Hang on just one second, uh, Caesar, and uh, we'll get to your to your question, uh, Matthew three fifteen, uh, about the baptism of Jesus and John. You listen to Calvary Live, folks, and we're going to be back with more three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Jason Vanderveer here with you, and uh, we're going to be taking more of your calls, questions, and comments about the Bible and Christianity right after this. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. And welcome back. Jason Vanderveer here on Calvary Live. I'm the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. You can get information about us at calvarychapelparker.com. We're talking to Caesar. We're talking about the baptism of Jesus. Um, Caesar, I, th- I think I get the essence of your question uh, as you speak about uh, Christ being high priest uh, or priest according to the order uh, of Melchizedek as we talk about the high priesthood of Aaron. Then we talk about the... Um, the right. The, what I'm the, really concerned when he says, for all righteousness sake. Yeah. So in Matthew 3.15, when, when Jesus says that, he says, permit it to be so for all righteousness sake. There, there isn't a requirement that Jesus be baptized. We know that he is uh, without sin. But there was a sense in which he was fulfilling righteousness um, as he is baptized and identified for sinners that he, he would die for. And so uh, as he talks about all righteousness sake, it's, it's fulfilling, uh, he says that, in fact, fulfill all righteousness. Um, he's fulfilling all righteousness in identification, first of all, uh, for those he would die for. And so the us, obviously, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we see the Trinity uh, in Genesis one twenty six in creation, and now we see the Trinity in, in the redemption of men. What I'm saying is, when Aaron, when Moses baptized, when Moses washed Aaron and his sons, it was for a priesthood to enter into the most holy of holies. Jesus is going into the most holy of holy for us, right? So he's priest. So in a, in a essence, he did complete the righteousness state as far as the, he took over the covenant, the new covenant. That's, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I don't know that you're uh, uh, totally off, but what we've got to realize is, is that Jesus Christ also came from the right hand of the Father. So when he's entering in, he's not entering in for the first time. That's where he came from. So, so no, as he, a priest he, for us, because like the priesthood of Melchizedek, mm-hmm. that is, it, his life is, is an indestructible life. So he, that's how he's the priesthood, you know what I'm saying, the, that's just what I'm thinking. I, I, I do I do understand what you're saying, and um, I think that you can make an application of that. But um, I don't okay. know that yeah I don't know that you need to necessarily you know 
uh, make too much of it other than, than the fact that, uh, um, uh, because that's not really the issue in, in that passage in Matthew chapter 3. Um, and neither is really the, the washing of Aaron exactly the same as baptism either. So, so no, I think that, no, 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 it's just yeah. a priesthood. It's not a yeah. washing, it's a cleansing that they did. But Jesus was, Jesus is, he's clean. He's, he's, uh, he's the tabernacle. He's, he's it, you know. Right. So it's not that, it's right. the completion of it's doing what God would do. Like, he could... Uh, never mind. I got you. <laughs> no, we're good. Hey, I appreciate you calling, Caesar. God bless you. Let's go to Natasha in Littleton. Natasha, welcome to the program. Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call, and God bless you. Yeah. Um, in reference to that um, uh, question you had with the gentleman about Mother Mary and the Catholics... Right. Uh are there any references in the Bible that uh, Mary uh, had previous children, and after Jesus, she had more children? There are no references that she had previous children. In fact, there are references that she was a virgin when she had Jesus. Um, but there are references in the Scripture uh, to uh, her and Joseph having other children, uh, or it would seem uh, through Joseph as other children, because uh, we read now, uh, I'll tell you how, how the Catholic Church deals with this, but um, we read about uh, Jesus' brothers, uh, and, and yeah. so we get the sense that that uh, um, that there were other there children. Were step brothers, stepchildren. That that there were, well, they would have been half. So if they were the children of Mary, obviously they would have been his half no. uh, siblings. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, there are no references that Mary had children after Jesus. Are there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if you read about Jesus's brothers, then clearly they were born after Jesus. If she was a virgin when she had Jesus, right? Uh, right, right, but um, I thought those brothers he was referring to were the previous, uh, before Mary children, uh, Joseph's children somehow, stepchildren. Yeah, see, yeah and, and that's what I mentioned before. There's there's lots of different ways um, that uh, that the Catholic Church attempts to deal with this. The way that you mentioned is one. The other way that they deal with it is they, they attempt to argue that the word there for brothers just means close relatives, and so that perhaps they're cousins. And so mm. th that's the other way that they argue. But, but let me just back up and, and ask about the reason for the argument. The, the reason that they make this argument is, is because they established a doctrine that said that, that Mary was a perpetual virgin, and then there Correct. came, came, yes. then there came these complicated, uh, problematic yeah. verses yeah. that seem to, to point out the opposite. And, and the reason that they, uh, they wanted to have Mary as a perpetual virgin is because in, in, in earlier years in the Catholic Church, they had a really kind of distorted idea as to sexual relations. Yeah, paganism, yes, a I exactly, understand. Exactly, yes. and, so, and so because they had this, this warped view of, of sexuality, right. even within right. marriage, they suddenly had to create, and they wanted Mary to to don this role of co-redemptress and and even yeah. of 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 uh, in some cases of being sinless herself, then they had to have Mary as a perpetual virgin. But the Bible doesn't you really have, teach us that. Have, and so the, you have no idea what the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholics think of Mary. They think that she she is the salvation. Right. That 
that goes through Jesus, and then the person is saved. But right. anyway, uh, my other question, uh, which sure. is very severe in my mind, mm-hmm. is uh, I had a very good friend who was born again Christian, born okay. again. Right. And she turned to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, does right. she lose her salvation by doing that? Is that the apostasy that was uh, talked about in the in the scripture? Sure. So, so it, it's a very good question, and and I think it stands to reason, you know, to to answer this even in a broader sense, not just the person who who places their faith or claims to have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and then goes and becomes a part of Catholicism, or the person who just is born or chooses Catholicism all on their own. You know, what do we do with that person? Well, I think that we have to come to the basis of their salvation. Uh, we have to to see into their heart, which we can't always do, but they can uh, to a certain degree, and God very clearly can. So I would, I would put it this way. If they do not believe in, in salvation by grace through faith, as, as Paul lays out for us in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, then they're not saved. In other words, if their salvation is worked ba- works-based, if it's based on their performance, if it's based mm-hmm. on what they do, then they don't have an understanding of salvation. They, they're, they're not yes. saved regardless of what they claim to have believed or, 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 or whatever. And, and within Catholicism, so I would say if they truly understand the doctrine mm-hmm. of Catholicism and they, they place their trust in that, that they're not saved. Because, of course, as you, mm-hmm. you, you probably are familiar with, within Catholicism, grace just gets you started. It's called first actual grace. It just, it just mm-hmm. within Catholicism, it just gets the ball rolling, but you've got to finish it with your works in their mind. Well, that's not salvation yes. by grace through faith, yes. not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Right, right. Yeah, yes. so... Okay. Yeah. Uh, excellent. So, Thank yeah. you. I appreciate you. God bless you. Have well, a great you. weekend. You as well. Thank you so much for calling, Natasha. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey folks, 303-690-3000, Jason Vandiver here with you on Calvary Live. Let's go to David uh, in Cheyenne. Appreciate all of our listeners in Cheyenne. David, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I have a sister who's been married for 35 years to a, quote, Christian. Mm-hmm. She's a Christian. She's born again. But the thing about it is, is for those 35 years, he's been heavy into porn. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as that's adultery. Period. Yeah, yeah. I, I I understand what you're saying, and so you know, and this is a common uh, common question that people have. You know, um, does a person uh, have grounds in particular uh, for divorce? Um, you know, a la Matthew chapter 19 uh, and, and elsewhere in the scriptures where, where Jesus kind of lays out for us. Well, he doesn't kind of, he does. Uh, he, he lays out a very clear teaching on divorce. And in verse 9, he says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality uh, marries another, commits adultery. Um, the question is, is, you know, does a person in that, has, has that person, you know, committed adultery? And, and and I assume that that's kind of, you know, part of at least part of your thinking in, in, in calling today, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you lust after a woman, what does Christ say? If you lust after a woman and in your mind 
what are you committing? Yeah. What the, it says it says you're committing adultery. Here, here's here's the issue that I would say. Uh, I I would disagree with you, um, and that's because in Matthew 19, verse nine, Jesus is very clear. I, I there there. There are people that would agree with you, um, and good. there are good people that would agree with you, and, and I don't fault you for your position. Um, I, however, when I look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, it's very specific, and, and the word there for sexual immorality is, uh, is illicit sexual intercourse. It, 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 it's a literal uh, adultery, and so um, I don't uh, believe that, that saying... Somebody who has looked at pornography, while it's devastating to a marriage, uh, I don't believe that that's the same uh, as a person that actually goes out and commits the act. What Jesus is talking about is is that that person has committed it in their heart. And uh, but but Jesus wasn't saying, well, physically they've gone out and done it. And I think the issue in Matthew chapter 19 that Jesus makes is a person that goes out and physically does it. But there are people, like I said, there are people that uh, that would agree with you. Uh, I don't believe that pornography, uh, according to the words of Jesus in Matthew 19, uh, is grounds for divorce. By the way, I would say this, that, that even if there is physical adultery, um, that that's not a requirement uh, for divorce. That, that merely is uh, the condition that, uh, that there is then uh, divorce is permitted under that uh, that one instance, and obviously there's some other factors if you look in First Corinthians 7 and elsewhere in the Scripture uh, where, where uh, a person could wind up in that position uh, as well, being abandoned and so forth. But, um, but uh, I, I think that we've got to be very careful in, in saying that then what is being permitted in Matthew 19 is, is because then, you know, then now you're going down a certain road and so now you start saying, well, yeah, it's pornography. Well, you know, are you saying our R-rated movie is pornography? I would consider a lot of R-rated movies pornography, by the way. So are you saying every person who has watched an R-rated movie and has seen, you know, nudity in that movie now has given their spouse grounds for divorce? Well, then suddenly everybody has grounds for divorce, right? So, well, so I, mean, I think I, I think I that you're it, if you're. Uh, if you're looking at these pictures and you're m- masturbating, to me that means you're committing adultery. I mean, isn't that basically adultery? I mean, really? I mean, it, you don't think it, so? Physically, no. In the heart, well, I, I don't want to get into to what people are doing, but physically they're not committing adultery with another woman. In their heart, very much so. They're lusting, yeah, and in their exactly, heart. As, exactly as Jesus says. But the issue, as I said in Matthew 19, is the physical act of adultery that breaks the bond of marriage. Is it devastating to a marriage that a person's doing those things? Absolutely. No argument between you and I there. Is it the, is it, is it the condition that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 19? I would disagree with you that it is. And I believe that to, to say that creates a, a, a very slippery slope uh, and that, that puts uh, now the, the option uh, for divorce into just about, uh, well, 
I don't know what the percentage of people that have 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 seen something like that. Like I said, in a movie, and depends how you you classify uh, pornography. And then now, you know, are we? What about all of these terrible books uh, that are out there that are depicting these things as well? I think that they're two separate things. They're both destructive, but only one is is grounds for divorce, according to Matthew nineteen. Okay. okay. Okay, I guess I guess the other question I've got is is if you're a Jew mm-hmm. and you're you're going to die when you say that Christ has other brothers and sisters, then why did Christ have one of his apostles take care of Mary because that would be very un-Jewish. You can't do that. You have to have your brother, if you've got a brother, he would be taking care of mom. It wouldn't be an apostle. So how do you explain that? When we look at the Scripture, we see that, that at the time of Jesus' death, his brothers didn't believe. And so uh, they didn't come to believe until uh, after his resurrection. So on the cross, Jesus commends his mother, uh, who was very clearly also a a believer, we see, uh, just by her actions, in other words, in Scripture. He commends her to the disciple John, who, as we look in Scripture, he seemed to have that closest relationship with. So he commended her to the the closest believing person uh, to him, on earth. And it's very interesting when Jesus said, I, I, I read the passage earlier, when Jesus said, you know, uh, who are my mother and who are my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples. So there were certain things with Jesus where he, at that time, very clearly regarded his disciples, at least in a spiritual sense, in greater ways than he did even his own earthly siblings. And therefore, he commends his mother to one of them, namely John, rather than to his unbelieving siblings at that time. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I guess that works. I, I don't. I've yep. never heard of a Catholic who worships Mary, though. So I'm really confused how you believe that. Uh, it's very common. I mean, uh, uh, the the I adoration. Pray, pray to Mary, but not worship her. Yeah, I guess I would challenge you. Where in Scripture are you taught to pray to Mary? Uh, have you ever heard of Madrigoria? Yeah, I've heard of the place Madrigoria. Yeah. Did you did you check into it a little? Yes, I have. But I asked you a specific question. You diverted. Where okay. in scripture? Where in scripture does it tell you to pray to Mary? It doesn't. Yeah, it, it, and and that's the point. So so if the Bible doesn't tell us to do it, why why are we doing it? And if we find actually that the Bible contradicts what we're doing, that we have one mediator, as Paul says, uh, between God and men, and that's not Mary or a saint. It's it's Jesus Christ, then then we need to uh, um, evaluate and adjust our practice. Okay. Okay? Okay. Have a good day. All right. Day. Appreciate you calling, David. God bless you there. God bless you, too. Bye. Take care. Let's go to Noel in Congress Park. Noel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, How are you? appreciate this avenue to be able to ask questions, uh, you know, daily. That's yeah. Great. Um, it's an, it, so my question is, um, and, I, and I guess... Let me preface by saying I'm not questioning God. Sure. I just want to be able to, you know, how to give an answer when when this come when this question is given to me again. Mm-hmm. But if God, if um, if life is a gift, and why would for those that are unbelieving mm-hmm. that when, when it when it's all sudden done for those that are unbelieving 
they have the eternal damnation um, mm-hmm. even after they die. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they just stay dead? As, right. as opposed to them living the rest of the, you know, for eternity for not believing. And then mm-hmm. the question I've gotten before is, does the punishment fit the crime? Mm-hmm. If somebody that's 13 that dies, you know, as an unbeliever, 13 years of unbelieving, but an entire lifetime of damnation. So that's that's basically my question as far as why why not just leave them dead? Yeah, and and the answer to that question is, I think that we need to look at it a little bit differently. We need to okay. to realize that that human beings are eternal, and so um, life is really just a part of that eternity. The 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 life that we experience uh, from the moment that we come into to being uh, until we die. Um, that that's just a, 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 a part, because when we're created, we're created with, uh, well, we're really basically a three-part being, right? We're spirit, soul, and body. But we right. oftentimes think about life just in terms of the life of the body. And so uh. we have this idea that, that, you know, when life ends, that, that well, it just ends, but we don't realize that, that from the point of conception, now an eternal being has been created who just happens to inhabit a body for a period of time. So then the question happens to, to be, well, what happens to them after this body expires? What happens to that eternal spirit and soul after this body expires? And And that's really the question. That's ultimately what this life is all about is determining that that's the real purpose of of this life and that ultimately that we would choose God and worship him and serve him and spend eternity with him but that's really the the purpose of this life is is that it, it's being determined in this life uh where our spirit and our soul would actually spend uh eternity and eternity and and hell uh, has been prepared uh, as Jesus says in Matthew 25 for the devil and his angels but but the problem is is that some people choose to reject uh, God and the salvation that he gives in Jesus Christ and thus in eternity with him and the only alternative is the place prepared for the devil and his angels I see Okay. See, that makes so, a lot more sense when you explain that in, in the inter- as far as yeah, we are, are eternal beings. Yeah, you're, you, it's not a question of if, it's a question of you and I are going to live forever. Just where? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah that's good. Right? You know, wow. and, and, and that's how I would approach it, you know, with, I, I think it's a very good question. Uh, you know, I, I, I would... Uh, if I were you, the next time somebody asked me that question, I would get very excited about it because, wow, what an opportunity to preach the gospel. You know, that, sure. and, and, and that shows that, a per- that that's not your typical person that just says, you know, uh, that asks, you know, some silly contradicting or, you know, uh, right. uh, you know uh, blasphemous question about God. That's somebody who, the, who, who I think uh, uh, really wants to know. And is really going to appreciate it. You're really going to have an opportunity, at least, to share and to make them think, um, and to help them realize something that they don't realize. I, I would say that the average, not only does the average Christian probably not think about it in those terms, but certainly the average person out there in the world doesn't see themselves as eternal. Right. You know, they, this is it. They look Want at it. Yeah, this is it. That's why they they live their lives the way they do, because yeah. they say, "Well, you only get one go around." 
Yeah. yeah that's, that's my brother would, you know, use that term. That's yeah. uh, one go around. That, that's great. Um, and, and just one quick thing on what folks that have been talking about as far as Mary and, you know, I, I grew sure. up Catholic, ah. but it wasn't until four years ago that I, I got saved and, and have been following Jesus. Um, but I always remember back in the scriptures, whenever it came time to when somebody did an act of obeisance before an angel, the angel says, be careful, do not do that. Right. And so I'm thinking, if, we're, if we can't even bow down to angels, um, why would we give any veneration to, to Mary? Although, you know, great that she carried Christ, but it, that's, not the, that's not our purpose. <laughs> right. Um, we, <laughs> we, we, we see a lot of people, uh, we see John at least twice in the book of Revelation trying to bow down to an angel. And yeah. the a- angel tells him, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? You know, so, yeah, right. if an angel that's clearly higher than, you know, in, in, in many respects, uh, you know, uh, than, than a person um, is right. not worthy of worship and veneration and so forth, then how much less uh, a, a, a person? The Bible tells us to worship God. You know, right. and, and and basically we worship him alone. You know, I think people rationalize it in a lot of different ways, but um, but that's the encouragement. Right, I got you. I think it's sometimes uh, when you worship Mary or those that worship Mary or the mm-hmm. statue, it's something yep. tangible. It's something that they can see, as opposed to worshiping God, who we yep. can't see. Yep. So. Okay. And they, they, they feel as though they have some sort of connection, and as the previous caller mentioned, you know, Magigoria, mm-hmm. and, and they, they, they would say, well, if it's not real, then why have these miracles been performed, you know, and so forth. When we pray to Mary, why do these things happen, and so forth. And, and you know, the, the answer to that question is quite simple, that, um, that Satan is a great deceiver. You know, if he deceived Eve in the garden, uh, don't you think that he can deceive, you know, people today? And and, and he will, and and, uh, he'll he'll do whatever it takes to lead people astray and and get their their focus uh, in worship off of God and onto human beings. Exactly. Hey, I appreciate your call, Noel. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. Yep, take care. You as well. Let's go. We t- time for probably one more call. Let's go to William in Washington, D.C. William, welcome uh, to the program. I have a baby seat. You got to have a baby seat, right? Hey, William, you're on the radio. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yes. Okay. I'll come back. We're out. All right. We're going to have to put William on hold while he sorts uh, things Thank out there. Thank you for there. taking my call. I got sidetracked. I do apologize. That's all right. What's on your mind? We've got just a couple of minutes. Go for it. Okay, what does the Bible, in, in regard to end-time prophecy, what does the Bible mean about uh, that even something, I don't know the exact verse, that even the elect will be deceived, or that even, you know, like Christians will be deceived? Yep, gotcha. So uh, it's talking about even if possible, the uh, very elect uh, will be deceived. Uh, Jesus talks about it in... Uh, in both Matthew and Mark, Matthew 24, where Jesus is talking about the end times, he says, false Christs and false prophets will rise and show greats and signs and wonders, uh, if, po- uh, if possible, uh, even the elect. And so he says, therefore, you know, don't believe it. But that key there is, 
is if possible. And so uh, true believers uh, are, are not going to be deceived, and uh, true believers, at least uh, not for long. And, uh, and, and so when we look at that passage, it, it's a fascinating one. But I think that the key uh, to, to that particular passage uh, is just that understanding it's a renewed warning uh, against false messiahs and false Christs, and that, uh, that, that, that those uh, reports could trap uh, those who sincerely and uh, are lovingly looking to Christ. And so uh, the Lord is really just warning all disciples not to, in this passage, not to believe reports of local secret comings of Christ and that even those who perform miracles are not necessarily uh, from God. And so uh, it's a, it, I think, though, that the key to that passage is, is the phrase, uh, if possible. And uh, the idea is that it's going to approach uh, and it's going to have some people that, uh, uh, that might appear as so, uh, but the, the reality is, is that uh, uh, he's seeking to deceive the elect, uh, but it's not necessarily possible. Okay. okay. And, and what do you think, uh, the situation with North Korea, do you think this is like a, a right environment for like an Antichrist, someone to come on the scene to solve the problem. You know how the Bible talks about yeah. the anti- Antichrist will present itself by solving problems that no one else can... Is this situation, not that this is it, but is it... You kind of can see where where a society could be in a situation yeah. where they need someone to solve a problem that nobody else has seen in the baby to solve. Well, look, we have these problems in the world now that people just kind of... They just kind of... They kind of drift off. They don't ever really get solved. I mean, and... and you know whether it's uh, global terrorism, whether it's Iran, whether it's North Korea. Um, you know you can see. I don't believe either that these are the situations that the Bible's talking about because I believe that the geography is wrong. I believe okay. that the that 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 the primary problems that that we see in the end times that are going to arise are going to be centered uh, around the Middle East and around the nation of Israel. Uh, so certainly okay. that that would include you know nations like Iran, uh, but uh, uh, but not necessarily uh, North Korea. Although there's all sorts of you know uh, interwoven aspects between Iran and North Korea, and y- you know that probably pretty well. It sounds like you're familiar with these things. So so yeah, I I, I think that that. It's these types of things that are ultimately going to come on the rise that are going to create the environment uh, where people are going to look for a savior and and be willing, unfortunately, to accept the wrong one. I don't think that we're there yet, but I think as the Bible talks about, we're seeing those birth pangs, right? We're seeing the, the, the early signs of labor. Hey, God bless you, my friend. Appreciate you calling, William. Thanks for listening to Washington, D.C. Thanks all, uh, all to all who have listened and called in today. God bless you guys. Take care and have a great night. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.